Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Well, good morning. Uh, it's a privilege um, to be able to share with you all today. Uh, to those watching in your living rooms, and it's wonderful to see so many eyes in the room today as well. Uh, we're tracking with a book called uh, Gracism by David Anderson, and we're really digging deep into biblical, a biblical understanding of race and ethnicity. Uh, I've been so blessed by uh, the previous sermons by Andy and Luke, um, just unpacking what it means to, to cover one another, to share with one another. And the title of uh, today's sermon is, I Will Honour You. And we will see that there is a divine design in the formation of the church. God has instituted unity right at the heart of the church. So much so that we are given this powerful image of our church family as one body, operating as one body. Uh, So just to recap, throughout the series, we're defining uh, racism as thinking, speaking, or acting negatively about someone based solely on that person's colour, culture, or ethnicity. We are looking to be a church that continually grows in grace and become gracious, which is what David Anderson describes as the positive extension of favour to other people based on their colour, culture or ethnicity. So first we're going to reflect on God being a God of unity and his design and purpose in combining members of the church into one body. Then we'll unpack the meaning and foundations of honour. And lastly, I'll be sharing a few thoughts as to how we can give greater honour to those who uh, lack. So God is a God of unity. Our anchor verse today is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24. And it says, But God so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it. To jump right in, there are three things to note. There is a divine work of unity that God does through and in the church. There is a recognition that earthly systems have created an imbalance. And thirdly, the church is God's answer to address this imbalance. Paul writes that God so composed the body. God has combined members There's a recognition here that there are individuals, there are members. Our church is made up of individuals. Each one with a story, a culture, a personality. But there's a divine um, design and purpose for your presence in the church. There's a necessity for your presence in our church. God has called each of us to be family to each other, to be unified as one body, And the word composed uh, denotes a mixing, doesn't it? In the church, there should be a mixing. There is a holy and wonderful combination of people. And that's God's heart in calling all nations to him. And although your culture, your personality, your story, where you've been born, it's important. It's what makes you, you. But in Christ, there is less relevance on where you've come from and more relevance and more importance and emphasis on what God is calling us into as members of the church. Secondly, there's a recognition in this passage 
that some people lack honor. And this is not because of issues with character, but because of earthly systems. This is why God says we need to especially honor those who have been unfairly or unjustly excluded. God wants his love and his honor to be shown. Those who lack honor, God is saying, I want them to be lavished with my love so they understand that my church is a place of healing, a place of equity. The church is God's answer to injustice and unfairness that we see around us. And if we think about justice scales, there's a recognition in the passage that our, humanly, our human systems have placed more honor on some than others. And we are talking specifically about ethnicity in this series. Um, and in previous sermons, we've explored some sobering statistics about um, injustice. Um, and in our British context, some of us will have more privilege than others. Um, some of you will be given more honor than others. And this privilege could be because you're white, it could be because you have more money, more education, or status. Our passage doesn't shy away from saying that there are differences. And unfortunately, just as Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, in a similar way, our churches have allowed a bias to influence who we honor. But God is saying today, my church needs to model something different, something different than what you see around you, something that will confound the wisdom of the world and model honor in a way that points to Jesus. So let's unpack honor and how we can cultivate a heart that honors others. The word honor means to respect, give distinction, privilege. It can be translated as compliment, commend, or give praise. And if we could model this more, uh, gifting each other with genuine encouragement, value, how much more joyful and secure in our identities in Christ would we be? Uh, this is something that Paul is exhorting us to do for each other as a family, uh, to joyfully encourage, respect, and honor each other as part of the way we do things, as part of our culture. And God has, uh, has lavished us with his honor and his grace. And it's from this place that we can then give it to others. The foundation of giving honor is to know our identity in Christ. In earlier verses in the passage, there is an emphasis on our baptism in Jesus. Uh, we've been, been transformed by his spirit. God is calling us to be united in our identity in Christ. There's a call to understand our equality before the, before the cross. To understand our identity in Christ, it comes before our British culture, our Caribbean culture, our African culture, our Chinese culture. We are building a Jesus culture, a gospel culture, which is above our, our, our uh, earthly identities. In 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. Old things have passed away. That includes our pride. That includes superiority that we may have felt. That, may, that includes entitlement. This has been surrendered to Jesus. His work of love and humbleness in us. We came to the cross humbled by our sin 
and Jesus' work on the cross. And from that place of repentance, have turned away from our old lives, our old ways of thinking. This is a continual work. God, in his mercy, doesn't always deal with everything at once, praise the Lord. Uh, But in this season, bias and racism has come up. So let's pray for, for old ways of thinking to go, unhelpful bias, stereotypes, racism. Let's pray for the old ways to go. And this is something that affects us all. Scripture talks about us when we come to Christ. It's, it's we're born again. We're renewed in him. So we need to live with renewed thinking in every area of our lives. Danny Silk in his book, A Culture of Honour, talks about having an abundant mindset in our view of God. When looking at God, a person with a mindset of lack or poverty identifies more with being a sinner. Another limiting mindset is to limit your identity. And you look at the cross and you think, I'm a servant, I need to work out my salvation. An abundant mindset looks to the cross and says, I am a son, I am a daughter. When we understand our identity in Christ as sons and daughters, that is, we've been given unmerited favour and grace from God, not by our works, not by where we were born, not by what colour we are. When we understand how rich we are and how abundant we are in Christ, and I'm not necessarily referring to earthly riches, although it may involve that, but when we understand the richness of our Father in heaven, his resource of grace, righteousness, joy, peace, in a way that surpasses all understanding, we can more easily bend these good things to honour and love others well, from a place of humility. And it's from this place of richness that we are able to be generous in the way we honour and even giving greater honour to others. And some of us struggle with a poverty mindset of God's grace. We have limited his grace for us and therefore it's very hard to extend grace to others, much less those who are different from us. So God wants us to know who we are afresh today. This will enable us to look at our brothers and sisters in our church family, whether or not they look like us, whether or not they're the same culture or social status, we will look to each other with the eyes of grace. Giving greater honour from a place of humbleness is essential. A culture of honour starts by cultivating a humble heart. Having a humble heart allows us to elevate others in a way that doesn't lead to pride. Proverbs 18 verse 12 says, Humility comes before honour and greater honour. How do we know who to give greater honour to? It requires seeing people. It requires acknowledging difference. It requires a knowledge and understanding that there is lack in some people's lives. The passage doesn't shy away from this. How does this lack happen? This can often be due to where someone is born, their economic status, and sadly, their ethnicity. Many of us, in the name of treating everyone equally, have then been blinded to see the needs of um, ethnic minorities in the church. And we've not understood the connection between the macro uh, uh, causes of racism and its micro effects. 
And it is uncomfortable to recognize this, and it's uncomfortable to call it out. And I've got to be honest with you, it's uncomfortable for me to share the ways in which I've been made to feel shame about the way God has made me. But God has brought me to a place of knowing who I am in him, that I'm not to be defined by what the world says, but I need to know my identity in Christ. And I, need, I still need this as a daily refreshing of his truth. Uh, but we do need our brothers and sisters to recognize that I and others like me uh, will face challenges that you may not have to cha- uh, face simply because of a darker skin tone. And this is not a guilt thing. It's a recognition of lack. And it's bringing God's heart uh, of honor and justice to the church, to all nations in our thoughts and actions. And that's not to say I don't have privilege in other areas. I'm able to share my privileges uh, with others. I, I, I feel like I have privileges in the fact that I had supportive parents. I was able to get an education. So how do I share that? I try to mentor where I can. I try to open up my family to others. God has gifted each and every one of us with a unique and divinely given gifting to bless the church. We are all needed. We are all essential. We are all valuable in God's eyes. We need to be a people that sees need, though, and allow God to speak to us about how we can give greater honour to those who lack it. Given honour in a way that's full of love and humbleness, dignifying and edifying. Cultivating this culture of honour, it does make me so excited to be honest with you because it is bringing God's heart of hope and justice uh, in a very real way. And if we can truly understand God's heart for this, uh, we will start to see so much more healing and restoration in our churches. So when I talk about seeing need, It is also being able to filter uh, what we see in the world through biblical lenses. I wonder if any of you wondered about the treatment of Meghan Markle, for instance. I came across a number of friends, including Christians, who had never heard talk about the royal family before, suddenly spouting all this negativity about her. And I, I had to just ask a simple question about her character. I said, what has she done? And do you know what? Not one person could answer me. They had absorbed so much negativity and hatred, they didn't, not only did they not realize it, and they didn't even know why. Or I wonder when you read the local news, do you see those who are, um, who are lacking honorable treatment? Did you notice over the summer the story of a young boy, 13 years old, Hugo Boating? He was on a charity cycle with his father in Tottenham. Out of nowhere, a man pushes him, into the bushes, yells at him, screams at him that he's going to be tasered if he doesn't um, keep still. Turns out this man was a policeman in plain clothes and had mistaken his identity. Uh, What I see is another innocent young boy, scarred, brutalized, yet again by a system. He says that if you're brown, if you've got brown skin, you will be treated like a criminal. My heart breaks for this little boy who was doing something good for society and yet still punished. What more could he do to receive honour? When will our churches start to see the need?
when will we start speaking, uh, using our voice and our privilege? This is why God says, when these souls, when these precious souls come into the church, lacking honor, when they join our church, uh, show them honor, show them greater honor, because it's correcting horrendous injustices that they are facing in the world. So, how is greater honor given? Uh, there's so much to say here, um, but there's three main ways that we can give honor in our thinking, our speech, and our actions. Uh, we can honor others with our thinking. Just being careful about how we consume uh, information about people, not just gaining earthly view viewpoints, but truly allowing the Holy Spirit to shape our thinking. So for those of us not brought up in a city, or maybe some of us don't have uh, diverse friendship groups, I guess it's being aware that your viewpoints of people are being shaped by what you're reading, maybe TV, newspapers, movies, um, not necessarily being shaped by being in close community with different people. Uh, and, and these uh, forms of gaining information will contain bias, skewed views, and sadly, often tainted by white supremacy, without you realizing. For instance, on a number of occasions, uh, we, we take our, our children to the library, and to be honest, I've been so surprised at some of the things that I read. And as a child, I don't remember noticing this, but you know, I'm reading these books uh, to our children, and things just stick out to me. So one of the books uh, that I came across um, had a group of characters in it. There was one character who had brown skin, the rest were white. Um, the one with brown skin was described as lazy, and everyone else was given good characteristics. So obviously I'm reading this to my child, and it just, my heart sinks, to be honest with you. And I wonder how many children are absorbing these messages without even realizing. And it's just con continuing a cycle of dishonor. And as Christians, we need to be aware of how unconscious bias develops. It starts from when they're children. And despite our best efforts to be ambassadors of the gospel to all nations, we can still be affected. So when we walk in the mind and the way of Christ, uh, this just supersedes our claim to being part of a superior group of people or culture. It supersedes our political affiliations. Uh, we recognize equality before the cross, and we honor that. We recognize that we're all in need of a savior, in need of redemption in every part of our life and thinking. Our thinking of, honor, uh, of others should honor the way God has uniquely and divinely made us. Divine difference ordained by God, not to be a cause of division, but to be a cause of devotion to one another. Difference divinely ordained to make us complete when we're combined together. Our thinking is now renewed as Christians to value our Christian heritage and identity above our earthly ones. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Wow, tall order. God is looking for courageous Christians 
who will model something different by the way we live. The world says to honor those with status, money, position, power. Our Bible says to honor the widow with two pennies, the fatherless and the stranger. We can honor others by our words. We need to use our voices for good. Um, So when you're at work, college, school, if you hear racist remark or inappropriate jokes, use your voice. Colossians 4, uh, verse 5 and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer everyone. So let's cultivate a language that is life-giving, full of salt, and elevate people with our words. Words without action can be very empty, can't it? We say we honour people. But living in a diverse city, what do our lives say? Our friendship groups, are they monocultural? Are they the same status? If you reflect on your prayer list, is it monocultural? Paul writes that God has put together the members. Does your life reflect um, being combined with others who are different? So lastly, we can honour with our actions. I love the way David Anderson describes about the honour in just sitting with people. So spending time, hanging out, enjoying each other's company, giving our most precious commodity, our time. Do we do this with different people? Uh, To be honest with the answer is no. Uh, There's no quick fix. Uh, This is a journey, it's a life of learning, um, and friendships take time. But... Are we willing to start sacrificing our comfort for community? So practically, honouring actions can look like um, exchanging perhaps awkward texts, cards, letters of affirmation, coffee dates, dinners. It could be clunky and forced to begin with. Uh, But just like when you take up a new sport, you are exercising new muscles. At first you might be in pain, Perhaps the next few times, your your muscles might ache. But with consistent practice, uh, you create a strength and a smoothness um, as you develop. So as we intentionally change our patterns towards community, reaching out to people who are different, it will start to become more normal, less awkward, and it will help to build a culture of of honour in our church. Um, And as a side note, it is really good and healthy to have friends that look like you. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, But I I think God's just saying we need to have inclusive hearts in the way we do life. We will start to see more of God's freedom released in our church as we do this. Uh, Freedom for people to bring their whole selves to church, uh, knowing uh, that Maybe their worship looks slightly different, their accent looks different, or their dancing looks different, uh, but there's no judgment but rejoicing at God's glorious display. Uh, So as I I was preparing, I just felt like uh, there are many of us who have built up walls. Uh, We've become defensive and hardened, a bit like a callus with lots of unhelpful layers. Um, In Ezekiel 36, Verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And God wants to bring a gentleness to us in this season and a softness for others. Some of us have layers of of hurt and pain and unforgiveness that haven't been dealt with. Our hearts have been hardened, perhaps, to those who are different. Perhaps we've been relating to others from our place of pain. Perhaps pain from racism. And God wants to bring healing. Uh, Most of us have been shaped by our secular system, and we've never asked God to renew our thinking in this area of race um, and ethnicity. We've kept this part hidden, um, and we've allowed society to shape our thinking. And God is revealing uh, the lies that we've absorbed from the media, from our upbringing, and he wants to remould and transform our thinking in a way that celebrates and honours people who are different from us. And this process of becoming more unified is is not easy. Uh, Many of us are moving from our place of ignorance or passivity. Uh, Many of us are in a season of adjusting uh, to the way we think, and and it's not easy. Uh, But I do love what Shay uh, said last week. Shout out, Shay. Um, It's not easy, but it's good what God is doing. Um, So let's choose uh, community over comfort Many of us have sacrificed the comfort of of a bigger house outside of London, of a garden, um, perhaps even the opportunity to live in a monoculture environment where you may not have been uh, confronted with difference so, so, so much in your face as you are in London. But you chose London, you've chosen Rev, and we are so blessed and grateful that you have. I'm reminded of when uh, Cap first approached Rev many years ago, and they were absolutely astonished by uh, the generosity and love in our church. And uh, yeah, for quite a young crowd, mainly students, they said it was the biggest take-up of giving that they they had had at the time. And uh, we are known for our love, and we are known uh, for our generosity. We are now being called to be known for the way in which we honour people and even by the way we give greater honour to those who lack it. We're moving towards a deeper understanding of Jesus' culture, gospel culture, and we hold fast to this more tightly than our British culture, Caribbean culture, African culture, Indian culture, and so on. God is doing a new thing amongst us. Let's move with what he's doing and what he's calling us into. Um, So as the band comes up, um, let's let's, uh, just sing in response. Let's surrender this uh, to God. Let's surrender to what God is doing um, at this time. Um, Yeah, Father, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for your church. We thank you for every member every member of our church and even the wider church in the world, we realize we're connected to Christians all across the world. We thank you for our new identity in Christ. I pray that you'll help us to be even more united um, as we grow deeper in you and, and, and deeper in an understanding of what you've done for us on the cross, Lord. Amen.